0: Six games after another crucial win against Dallas. It is the Canucks Hour here on Sportsnet 650, your home of the Canucks. I'm Jamie Dodd. Joining me, as always, Canucks Insider Thomas Durant, who also covers the team at the Athletic. Canucks Hour brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Being a champion takes foresight. Build your company to win for years to come with fuel efficient and reliable Kubota skid steers, excavators, and loaders from Avenue Machinery. Visit avenue Busy, busy show today, Drancer. Canucks get a massive 6-2 win against Dallas last night. They play again against Ottawa. The playoff race is on. People are hyped up. I do want to start with last night, though, because that was just a great game. And I mean that from a performance aspect for the Canucks, certainly. And we can run through uh, you know, a laundry list of players who had really impressive nights for the Canucks, but that was also just a great fun night I think for the fans in the arena for the fans watching at home for the team itself that was a blast and I hope we get some more games like that one way or another before the season is over here oh sorry have we started the show
1: yet sorry I'm just uh I'm just minding my lunch I'm just baking up some crow. I'm I'm worried that I might have to eat that for lunch today. Uh, I don't know why, but but apparently I have to eat crow uh, today. Um, so we'll see. I'll I'll keep the listeners updated on how that goes. No, look, Canucks were brilliant last night. Brilliant, legitimately brilliant. Like that was their best game, maybe aside from that Colorado 60 minute effort on the road right after the trade deadline. Jamie, they played spectacular hockey, and you know what? They played spectacular hockey on a team level. This wasn't about Thatcher Demko stealing it. This wasn't about Elias Pettersson dominating, although he did. It wasn't about JT Miller, you know, vivisecting the Arizona Coyotes' defensive structure with a series of backhand saucer passes, although he was great too. This was a team win and an impressive one. They outscored the Stars 5 nothing at even strength. They won 6-2 they actually had some bad bounces go against them like that quick power play goal off a draw they have the shorthanded goal against to make it yeah. 3-2 and they kind of just kept coming now Dallas's goaltending wasn't very good right i'd say i'd say maybe that was like a, a 4-2 win w- without some decent bounces for the Canucks offensively but it doesn't mean that they weren't dominant they were so good that they were insulated from the vagaries of puck luck and bad bounces, they were so good that they would have won that game nine times out of 10. And that's how you need to play. Like one thing about the Canucks win streak right now, right? Since, since the calendar flipped to April and, and I'm not fooling, the Canucks have taken game, taken points in every game they played, right? 601, 601 one in the month. They've shot 15% or sorry, 14% five on five. 14% of all shots that the Canucks have taken this month have resulted in goals. Meaning that the opposition's even strength save percentage is in the 860s. The 860s, Jamie. That's not going to last. Period. That's just not going to last. There's, you know, The Canucks are a great finishing team, but that's not going to last. The Canucks also have gotten 950 goaltending, which means their opposition's shooting percentage is sub-5%. Sub-5%. That also Demko's excellent, spectacular. Yaroslav Alok has given them one really good game. They'll need him. To, they'll need him to give them another tonight. That also, though, is not going to last. You know, Prime Dominic Hashik doesn't sustain nine fifty say, percentage at five hundred five. Now, all of which is to say, who cares about sustainability at this time of year? You're at the pointy but, end of the season. There's there's just, six just, games just, left, right? Yeah. If just be, win five more. <laughs> exactly, who cares? Exactly. Yeah. If if it, but, has to, but, if it has to be done in unsustainable fashion, they'll take it. You know. Yeah, who cares? But but with no margin for error, right, you need to play well enough that the puck that bounces off of X dude's skate and, and past your goaltender or, or you know, the puck that gets flipped up from behind the net off the goalie's helmet and in doesn't kill your season, right? Like that that can happen. Right now the Canucks have the wind at their back. And sustainable or not, you know, that doesn't – That's not always going to be the case. This this league is too tough. You're not going to bounce your way into the playoffs necessarily. You need to have a, you know, brute level of solidity, sort of underlying, underpinning your game. When the Canucks play the way they did last night, they have it. They've got it. They've got what they need. Recreate that tonight. Recreate that Thursday in in, in St. Paul. Recreate that Saturday in Calgary, and then three more times thereafter. Mm-hmm. And we were, and, and, you know, I might have to really, uh, put some extra hot sauce on that crow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sriracha. We'll, will make it go down a lot smoother. I think <laughs> I think we can, we can, Beautiful. we can, uh, maybe field some suggestions for how to prepare crow, uh, for you. If the Canucks do end up making this a reality, 650 650 is the Dunbar lumber text line. The smart alternative, visit Dunbar lumber on bridge street in Ladner or our in Vancouver online at Dumbarlumber.com And, We'll, we'll dive into exactly where things stand in the playoff picture right now. Obviously, a huge, huge night for the Canucks. Not only getting that win, Vegas dropping a game uh, against New Jersey, very, very significant as well. But I will say, just watching that game last night, Drancer, and especially in the third period, where it was a, a party atmosphere, right? Not only the Bruce There It Is Chance in the arena, but the Wave and fi- normally I'm an anti wave guy, but if there's ever a time where it's okay to do it for me, it's as a victory cigar when you're you're cruising to a massive win uh in the at the end of the third period. So I thought that was a blast. And it really did just drive home for me. As much as over the last, like, five, six years, we've kind of had some fun with the whole concept of, oh, you know, meaningful games in March, I just feel personally, and I think there's probably a lot of fans that are on this level as well, like, thank goodness this team is playing meaningful games right now. Thank goodness these games actually have significance because playing up the string for a bunch of irrelevant games for weeks or months is such a slog. And I, I look at bummer. S- some it's of the bummer. teams, it's so hard. And it's a drag not yeah. just for fans, it's a drag for the team too, right? And, and I look at just what some of the teams, like San Jose and Anaheim, those teams both spent a long part of the season ahead of the Canucks in the standings, right? They, they haven't had anything to play for for weeks or months now, right? Like San Jose has lost 10 in a row. They are just an absolute you know, it's an absolute death march for them to finish the season. Anaheim has been scuffling for months now. That's tough. And it still doesn't, for me, it's still, you can you can kind of recognize the accomplishment from where they were to come back and make these last six games really feel like they have stakes and really be important, fun games and, and events for the fans. That's really impressive. You can still recognize that the bar needs to be raised for next year and beyond, but even getting to this place and salvaging the season and making it so it wasn't just this miserable lost season from hell, right, from February on or something like that. Man, It last night's atmosphere and the result and the performance, it really drove that home to me. Like, that's, that is an accomplishment in and of itself. And, again, I'm not trying to, you know, hand out moral victories here. And, look, they obviously – it's going to mean a lot less if they don't finish it off and make the playoffs. I understand all of that. It's still pretty cool that we're here after all the ups and downs of this season. And the great thing about it, Dranser, another another big game tonight against the Ottawa Senators. Before we get into that one, so here are thing, how things stand in the Western Conference playoff race now as of the results last night. The Canucks are four points back of the LA Kings. Canucks have 86 points. The Kings have 90. Canucks have a game in hand and the two teams are tied in regulation wins, right? So you win tonight and LA plays Anaheim tonight. You win tonight, and depending on what happens in that result, like this could have to the, the results tonight, not just in the Canucks game, but around the NHL and LA's game specifically, could have huge implications for how the playoff chances are shaking out tomorrow.
1: Uh,
0: huge. Well, and,
1: you know, for the Canucks now, you're playing the second game of a back-to-back, but so's Ottawa, although I'm not sure they actually played in Seattle last night. <laughs> I mean, woof. <laughs> They were terrible. So you're not you're playing a back to back, but you're playing a back to back against a team also playing a back to back. So this isn't a schedule loss. This is a level playing field.
0: Yeah. And they're um, playing
1: three and four as well, I believe, Ottawa. Yeah. And you need to take care of business against Ottawa. Like, this is a team with Michael Delzado and Travis Hammondick on their top pair. You can't lose to this team tonight. That about like, says it can't. all. You can't. That about says it you all. You cannot. And yet, I mean, they're pretty dangerous. Like, Brady Kachuk's played really well of late. Josh Norris has played really well of late. Drake Batherson's back in the lineup, even though Matthew Joseph, who's been a really nice fit with them, ha- is out. Uh, that takes away some speed. Connor Brown, always dangerous. Looks like they'll have Adam Gaudet in the lineup tonight, so the Adam Gaudet revenge game. Uh, still want to see these some Canuck fight him. Like, that's still something that's on my just, like, bucket list of things I think would be funny to watch. Um, so, uh, the, some funny subplots, some interesting subplots. This Ottawa Senators team is... You know, not particularly good, and they've got their backup in net, but they can do damage. They can make you pay. They can certainly give you a game. Uh, I don't know if anyone watched their game against Toronto over the weekend, mm-hmm. but, I mean, they they gave the Leafs a scare. Like, they can give you a scare. They can play good hockey. Uh, they can be imposing, and they have just enough weapons to to do damage if you're not on. Canucks still have the edge in net with a lock playing. Halak is confirmed to start with Demko not going back to back the right call, a gutsy call from Bruce Boudreau. Uh, and then, yeah, so uh, you just, you can't, you can't slip up here. You know, the Nashville Predators play Calgary, not an easy opponent for them. The LA Kings play the Anaheim Ducks, much, probably an easier opponent, frankly, than Ottawa, to be totally honest with you. But nonetheless, um... It's hockey. Anything can happen. Mm-hmm. That Anaheim Ducks power play is is really good. They've got enough young skill to do some damage here and there. It's one of Getzlaff's last home games. You know, there should be some emotion for the Ducks here.
0: Crosstown rival, like div- divisional rival. You hope totally. maybe they, they muster some emotion for that. Yeah.
1: For sure, and uh, and someone notes that uh, y'all didn't even mention Tim Stutzla, and that's just incredibly I, disrespectful for their best player during the last three game stretch. Wow, the best player during a three game stretch! My goodness. Also, uh, Tim Stutzla. I was getting Tim Stutzla's Stutzla. playing well. Yeah, he's playing real. Yeah, he's well. playing well. Yeah. Uh, especially on the power play. So there's uh there's point is the Ottawa Senators do pose some danger. The Canucks do need. To control this game right like I don't just want to see them win although that's you know a non-negotiable they need the two points tonight I want to see them maintain at least some of what we saw against Dallas I want I want to see that again I I, I, by the way there's a good text in from Leafs hater Steve Highmore did a pretty good impersonation of Cliff Ronning in the corners and along the wall last night garland's been doing it all year garland with two more even strength points he's up to 40 five on five points in uh on the season that puts him in the top 40 league wide right like bona fide top line production from garland five on five pretty remarkable considering how often he's been uh-huh. criticized frankly uh playing really well and then i thought there was another uh, good text in Does it say anything that the Canucks likely have 330 goal scorers this year? Not even the 2011 team had that. One thing to note is how goaltending performance is so far down this season. Like, it's wild the hit that goaltending performance has had over the course of this campaign. So in 2010-11, right, sort of like the height of the butterfly era, the average save percentage was at 913 this year, it's, it's down to 9.07, right? And, and it's actually d- dipped to about 9.01 in the month of April, just over the course of the past 20 days. Um, as a result, you're seeing a lot of up-jumped scoring statistics, right, Thru- throughout the league. So we're living in a world where there are 70 players in the NHL at the moment, 70 players in the NHL at the moment with 25 goals or more. Seventy. Mm-hmm. That's a wild amount of twenty-five goal scores. There's probably going to end up being something like fifty or fifty-five um thirty, 30 goal, scorers goal scorers in the
0: league. Yeah.
1: Yeah. In 2010-11, there were total 25 goal scorers in the league, there were 50. Total. Um, and total number of 30 goal scores, there was 29, right? So you're looking at that player type that player profile being twice as likely to occur this season as back then Uh, that's an important piece of context to keep in mind and an important piece of context too to keep in mind as we're talking about players this offseason right you're going to be looking at and evaluating a lot of guys who are like oh you had 50 points and it's like yeah but relative to what that would have been a decade ago. We're probably talking about more like a forty-point guy. So just just a thing, just a thing that I'm going to be a little bit mindful of in talking about production here, because what we're seeing is is a pretty dramatic uh, return of form for shooters. Like we're looking at the NHL having probably the highest conversion rate for shooters. In about, you know, uh, something like 20 years yeah. this year, or, so, or certainly 15.
0: So you're saying we could see some uh, epic free agency blunders this offseason for teams that don't <laughs> make that that adjustment. That's
1: that's always, that's, that's that, that, that happens regardless of the adjustment.
0: <laughs> NHL teams love, love to make mistakes
1: on July 1. They sure do.
0: Um, looking at this game. And, against, or July 13th <laughs> this yeah, year. Or whenever, whenever it is in July. Sometime in July, they love to do it. Uh, looking at the game against Ottawa tonight, and you're right. Like first of all, the headliner, and we, I want to make sure everyone uh, has heard this: is that it will be Yarrow Halak in net tonight. Bruce Boudreau confirmed that this morning, and I know last night. I know in the post game show and in the inbox last night, there was a lot of people saying this is still must win. You got to ride Demko; he's your guy. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where you know Yarrow Halak cost you your season. I understand that. I know yesterday on the show you made the point of, okay, if you're going to play Demko for every game for the rest of the season, that would be seven games in, like, 12 days, and that's just way too much of a workload for an NHL goalie, even one as talented as Thatcher Demko. be even before you get to the seven-game mark, I don't want him playing his third and fourth in four nights when you play Minnesota on Thursday, right? Like, I want him as fresh and as close to peak condition as possible for those two games against Minnesota and Calgary. So I have no problem giving Yarrow Halak the start tonight. You know, what Boudreaux had to say was basically like, hey, we've got two really good goalies. Halak's played well for us. He he cited the Nashville example again over the weekend of them rolling with Yusei Soros for back-to-back games and how it didn't work out. So I have no problem going with Yarrow Halak. Now, having said that, It is the Ottawa Senators. They are playing their third and four nights, and on a back to back, they're starting their backup goalie Philip Gustafson, who has not been very good to say the least this year. That that all factors into it, but I also don't want to treat Ottawa as a cakewalk, right? Because to use an extremely kind of uh, tired sports talk cliche, they've got a puncher's chance in every game, right? Like when you have any
1: given Tuesday, any given Tuesday, Tuesday, Jamie,
0: any given Tuesday. (laughs) When you have the talent in the top six, right, Kachuk, Norris, Stutzla, Batherson, who's back in the lineup, when you have those guys in your top six, they can burn you. They can make plays, right? And all of a sudden you can find up. hey, we've given up three goals and we've had bad shooting luck and now we're down in this game going into the third period. That can happen for any team against the Ottawa Senators. You still look at the overall depth of the roster, and as you said, they're rolling out Michael, DeZot- Michael Delzato and Travis Hamanick, It's still a team you should absolutely beat, but they do have the weapons that can make things uncomfortable, even for good teams. So, start Halak. I have no problem with that whatsoever, but this is still a game. This is not the Arizona Coyotes, where it's a free space on your bingo board, right? This is a game that the Canucks still have to come out, make sure they have the right process, make sure they're playing the right way and trying to replicate the performance we saw last night. If they do that, they should have no problems. But it's not a team that you can look past or take lightly at all, I don't think. Can we call the new
1: Ottawa Senators top line the Walker Texas Rangers line, by the way? I'd never even thought of it until you just said it, but Kachuk Norris. Like, come on. <laughs> it's right there, staring us in the face. It's the Walker, Texas Ranger line. Um and also Connor Brown. Connor Brown's there too. Uh anyway, the yeah, no, you gotta win this game. This is a tough one. Uh Travis Hamonick, by the way, underlying profile is really good since the trade. He's played really well for for Ottawa. Um, he's actually leading them in five on five ice time over the course of the past 10 games. And the, and the senators haven't been outscored in those minutes. So Hammonick's been really good. There's a, there's enough there to pose a threat particularly if the Canucks aren't on their game. And they cannot just be leaning on the favorable bounces that have helped them and carried them so often this season. They need to put in the work. They need to luck-proof themselves, particularly in this game, an absolute must-have considering, you know, the the opponents that they face over the balance of the week in Minnesota and in Calgary, yeah. right? Those are two tougher teams, two tougher opponents. Yeah, sure, those teams won't be playing for a ton, but nonetheless, you have to be ready to take the games you, you you should have, right this Ottawa game in particular and that Kraken game next week in particular mm-hmm. because the other four are an awful lot more difficult and so you do need to be ready you do need to be ready. Uh, Chuck Norris has a brown beard <laughs> notes Jeff from Mission. <laughs> thank you thank you it's the, it's the it. Walker Texas Ranger line yeah and uh, I also wanted to read this text because it dovetails into something I want to talk about. Um, fundamentally, asks this texter making fun of my uh, trademark speech pattern is that as sound a defensive game from Miller as you have seen this year? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No question. He was immense. And he was the guy creating havoc at the net front on the opening goal. Uh, didn't get a point, didn't at five on five anyway, didn't matter. That might have been J.T. Miller's best performance of the year for me, particularly considering Bo Horvat's absence. Mm. J.T. Miller was nothing short of a thoroughbred, an absolute stud for the Canucks against the Dallas Stars
0: on Monday night. And that line was tremendous, right? And Pod Colson and Garland were the ones who ended up picking up the points and kind of getting the headlines. But it was a three-man effort. And I did think you're right. J.T. Miller had a really strong game. The thing that really struck me about that line was I wasn't – you know, we've talked a lot about Vasily Podkolzin recently because he's earned it, he's playing so well. And watching that game last night, you know, Podkolzin, he wasn't a passenger out there with that line, right? It wasn't a case of, hey, this guy is keeping up and doing what he needs to uh, to kind of, you know – survive alongside these really talented NHL players in Miller and Garland he was a one of the driving forces it felt like all three of those guys were pulling their weight and really driving that line JT Miller he's the best player so of course he's always going to have kind of the most outsized impact especially playing at center but they just put their stamp on the game right away and it was it was really all three guys doing it as well in addition to the defensive effort you're talking about from JT Miller.
1: Well, and let's talk really quickly about everyone's least favorite subject in the in the wake of a you know down to the wire playoff chase. 2022-23 cap considerations. <laughs> okay, let's let's quickly get into them. The Tanner Pearson injury opened the door for Vasily Podkolson on a line with Miller and Garland, and Podkolson is now up to plus eleven on the season. In the event he finishes among the top three forwards, which if Tanner Pearson doesn't get back before year's end, which sounds dicey, yes. like pretty likely probably at this point, um, then either Vasily Colson would have to go minus eight between now and the end of the season, which no one wants to see, or Bo Horvat. well, no, he's out. Tyler Mott already traded. Alex Chason out. Elias Pettersson would have to go plus nine over the balance of the season in order to, uh, you know, dislodge Vasily Podkolzin from the top three among Canucks players to play a certain number of games. I don't have that number in front of me. I believe it's 42. So that's going to be 212K, 212.5K removed from Vancouver's cap space because it's going to count as a bonus overage toward the 2022-2023 salary cap space available to the Canucks. Additionally, and this this is the sexier topic, Yaroslav Halak starting tonight. Yaroslav Alok currently start, sits at $8.99 save percentage. He's already earned his $1.25 million uh, bonus for starting 10 games. Much discussed. Have you heard about that yeah, one? Yeah, we, I, I seem to it recall
0: it from a couple months ago, talking about it a
1: little bit. He has an additional 250 k that will come to him if he finishes the season with a 905 save percentage, okay? 23 saves. 23 saves will get him to 905. 32 saves and one goal against will get him to 905. Uh, 42 saves and two goals against will get him to 905. So those are sort of the benchmarks to watch today because this could be a 250K cap space start for vancouver's backup those are those are the random little bits of cap math to to look at i'd say in all probability at this point when you when you go to cap friendly's armchair gm mode and start sort of doing the canucks cap math and trying to figure out like oh hey they're not in cap trouble um make sure to uh further reduce 1.7 depending on halak's performance tonight from that overall cap space because there is a you know, additional overage, performance bonus overage penalty coming for the Canucks. And tonight feels like a big... A big night to determine just how significant that will be.
0: And I was already on board with uh, starting Halak tonight from a, you know, give yourself the best chance of making the playoffs standpoint. Now I'm even more on board now that you've brought that up because he's playing for 250K tonight, right? You want some extra motivation for a player who's had a bit of a tough season at times here in Vancouver? That, that works for me it, it, as you lay out the numbers totally. there. It is very, very achievable for him. Uh, to to get to that number tonight, and this might be his last opportunity, depending on how the rest of the season shakes out. So, hey, I'm sure he like look. He's a professional. He wants to help this team make the playoffs. Of course, he does. Uh, I I know that, and I'm saying this partly tongue in cheek. But if you were worried at all, that that is a, a nice little bit of extra motivation for Jaroslav Halak. <laughs> to-
1: texter, Texter, unsigned. Twenty three saves will get him there, but if you look at last night, Ottawa only had 14 shots, oh, so 23 my. may not happen. Oh my goodness. Uh, Really quickly, by the way, a dynamic to be aware of is the Ottawa Senators were embarrassing last night, and DJ Smith's a pretty good coach in my estimation. That team has some proud players on it. Like, I love me some Brady Kachuk. I know I've said this before, but I truly, truly love watching Brady Kachuk play, Um I'd bet they bounce back. I actually think you're going to get a hungry Ottawa team tonight, which sort of adds to the threat level posed by the, you know, usually moribund Ottawa Senators Mm -hmm. from a Canucks perspective going into this evening's game.
0: Uh, That text is great, too, the one about... Ottawa only had 14 shots so Halak might not get his chance at 23 saves because I can just imagine a scenario where you know it's uh it's four nothing Canucks in the final minutes of the third period and Ottawa's sitting on 21 shots for the game or something and it's just kind of a a matador line from the Canucks like come on get some shots guys what are you doing our goalie's trying to make 250k here <laughs> yeah,
1: let's hope right you get you get like the um you get like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like who's a not good defensive player, but but really everyone's playing pretty well. Yeah. But it's like some, someone's the Tom Brady who just like stays on the ice. I'm going to guess JT Miller. JT Miller just stays on the ice and lets a couple guys yeah. buy him on the rush.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just to just to help his goalie out. Yeah. I can see it. We'll see. We'll see. But a uh, long way from that happening tonight before we get into any of those scenarios. Uh, man, we got so many great texts coming in. 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text line. We'll get to a whole bunch of them uh, on the other side. I want to do a little bit uh, of more of a breakdown of the playoff picture and the different scenarios now that are starting to come into focus a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about more about the game last night, the game tonight. So much to get into with the streaking Canucks who are again on a six game winning streak right now. Don't forget as well to subscribe to the Canucks Hour podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a five-star rating and review as well. More to come on the other side. It's the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. back to the Canucks hour here on Sportsnet 650 Jamie Dodd and Thomas Trance with you for another segment day after a big Canucks win another Canucks game day tonight against the Ottawa Senators Canucks Hour brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Being a champion takes foresight. Build your company to win for years to come with fuel-efficient and reliable Kubota skid steers, excavators, and loaders from Avenue Machinery. Visit avenuemachinery.ca. Keep your text coming in as well, 650-650. Mike in Colonis says, this is a terrible decision to start Halak. This is what I hate about analytics. I'm not sure it's an analytics decision, but fair enough. He says, if we win tonight, I will eat my words that we will lose and I will treat you both to a round of golf at Predator and lunch. That's from Mike uh, in Kelowna. So, hey, Mike, I, I, I'll take you up on that. Absolutely. I like it. Uh, I like you putting some stakes there as well on it. Uh, it was a uh, no no game day skate for the Canucks, unsurprisingly, coming off the big win last night, playing back to back. Halak gets the start, as you heard Mike uh, fretting about there. Only other really lineup note from Bruce Boudreau was that Alex Chason is a game time decision. Of course, he was a late scratch. Uh, because of non-COVID illness last night. Boudreaux said he's still not necessarily feeling great, but they'll see how he's doing at game time. Uh, I wanted to read this text as well from Marcus and Gibson. He says, remember, Ottawa finished above us last year in the Canadian division. Pride on the line for this game for sure. And somebody else texted in earlier. I think it was Leaf Hater Steve. Uh, the Canucks seem to play their worst when they play the worst. And... You know, we this is something you and I have have talked about and kind of tried to dissect and make sense of a lot on the show, is it seems like it's happened a few times this year, Drance, when the Canucks are kind of riding high and things are really going well and they've clawed their way back into the playoff race, an inexplicable letdown game follows. And I'm not predicting that tonight at all. I, I think they'll get the job tonight, uh done tonight against the Ottawa Senators, but if there are fans out there who are kind of worrying, oh boy, is this is this going to be the letdown game uh, that we've been waiting for? I understand that perspective because we've certainly seen it uh, a few times this season from the Canucks.
1: But they're also not inexplicable if you consider that a team that needs the wind at their back to do the type of damage that we've seen them do in April, right? Like, if this team doesn't control play well enough, they can't insulate themselves against letdowns. If you're reliant on aspects of the game that you only control to a certain extent like shooting you know conversion rate and save percentage rate um you know then when that abandons you which it inevitably does because this is a really tough league and the the sport is intensely variable um then you are vulnerable to those big letdown losses right i mean that's part and parcel with being a team in the situation that the Vancouver Canucks are. Additionally, those letdown losses, like the loss to Detroit on that homestand, stick out in your mind's eye because this team hasn't had much margin all year because of the way they started the campaign, right? Uh, Good teams lose to bottom feeders all the time. It's the NHL. It's just that for lots of those other good teams, it's just like, oh, well, that's too bad. We'll just pound the next opponent. Who cares? We're still going to be a 110-point team, whereas the Vancouver Canucks just haven't been able to afford those types of losses because the way they started this season. So, for me, it's not inexplicable. There's a reasoning behind it, and it's why replicating the way that Vancouver attacked in waves and played so relentlessly against the Stars 5-on-5 is everything down the stretch. If they can do that with some measure of consistency, then hopefully they'll be able to withstand the slings and arrows of outrageous hockey misfortune.
0: Yeah. Uh, And again, the margins are still so fine for the Canucks, right? There's still not really margin for error as much as it is a case of, they control their own fate, you know, that still involves winning six more games in a row against against some really good opponents mixed in there, right? Like Minnesota and Calgary are, are fantastic hockey teams, not to mention, you know, the teams you're chasing like L.A., Edmonton on the final day of the season. So, for example, let's say the Canucks take care of business tonight, get the two points against Ottawa, and L.A., for whatever reason, loses in regulation against Anaheim. I still wouldn't say you have a ton of margin for error. You're you're trending in that direction, right? But you, until L.A. loses a couple of games, you're still going to feel like you have absolutely no margin for error. Every game is going to feel like an absolute must-win here. I, I do think it's interesting, though, because, okay, at this point, I think a lot of people, even Canucks fans that have been skeptical for much of the season, have kind of been caught up in the excitement, and why not, right? Like, they've won six games in a row. They've given themselves a real shot. I, I completely understand that. We do still have some people technically, Texting in, like I know Reg texted in early saying, "Hey, I, I don't want to burst people's bubble, but this isn't gonna last. Pretty soon, we're gonna be talking about what to do in the off season." And one of the you know lines that's fun
1: too, though. Yeah, that's hey, fun too. Hey, though. We'll, in the meantime, we we'll us be here Enjoy to do that. two weeks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, we'll, let's have a
1: let's have a night. We'll be here to do. Let's that. have a night, baby. Let's but, go. Like this is gonna be good. This is gonna be good fun, and it's not just like one of the things I loved about the experience last night, because I wasn't at the game, was the way that the Canucks 7.30 start, and I, you know you know me and my late starts, Jamie. Oh, yeah. Love them. Uh, allowed me to watch Vegas, New Jersey at intermission, right? Like, Canucks intermission would go, and I'd go, and I'd flip over to the Vegas game and just be like, how is Vegas not winning this game? They've got so many breakaways. Like, oh, my goodness. Andrew Hammond, sure, why not? I loved it. And then tonight... You know, the scoreboard watching, you've got the Nashville game starting at five. You've got Canucks, uh, Kings, you know, concurrently running, like, enjoy it. This is going to be fun. Like, no matter what happens here at this point, right? It's not like the Canucks are messing up their draft position any further. You know what I mean? Like, there's no no need to do anything for the next two weeks, but enjoy it. And when the offseason comes, which is still more likely to come in a couple of weeks than the playoffs... Um, you know, we'll enjoy that too. That'll be a blast. We'll, 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 we'll break it all down. We'll we'll talk about what, you know, the plans should be. We'll try and argue about whether or not this team is close because of what they did under Boudreaux or in fact, if the full 82 games is more representative and if they make it, We'll be breaking down a playoff series. And like, that'll be pretty go. fun.
0: And um... either
1: either way, we're we're win 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 territory now. <laughs> There's no losers at this point. There's no losers, including including the players who've put themselves in this position, and including Bruce Boudreaux, right? Who has significantly enhanced his leverage mm-hmm. both in terms of talks with the team. He should be extended. And and by the way, I have a little nugget. I have a little nugget. All right, hold
0: on. I, B- I, before we get to the Boudreau Nugget, because I, I do want to touch sure? on something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to it. But right. first of all, first of all, and this is not my main point, but first of all, shout out to uh, good Surrey BC boy, Andrew Hammond, uh, former Vernon Viper, for getting the job done uh, for the Devils last night in net and uh, helping out his hometown team in the process. The other thing I wanted to say, right? The whole like, ah, well, they're ruining their draft lottery odds or the other line we hear a lot, right? And I mean, we've heard it from Daryl Sutter, you know? Oh, I wouldn't want to be the eighth seed. You're just going to get stomped by Colorado. You know, all of a sudden, the Canucks aren't chasing a series with Colorado or Calgary. They're chasing a series with Edmonton, right? And look, Edmonton would still be the favorite, but it's not unthinkable that the Canucks could stage an upset against the Oilers. Like Playing the Oilers in the first round is a far cry from playing either Colorado or Calgary. And I'm not sitting here saying, and that means the Canucks have like a stealth chance to win the Cup this year or anything. My point is simply that a lot of the reasons to kind of be negative or negative yeah or less excited about a playoff berth well you you get a chance to play the Edmonton Oilers like that's a winnable series that's a very very winnable series right and you're you're
1: you're telling me you'd rather have Thatcher Demko than Mike Smith yeah
0: yeah I think with that (laughs) goaltending discrepancy you might have a shot in that series so that's just that's another kind of interesting thing that has developed and then that's even before we get to the you know like they play Edmonton on the last day of the season right so depending on how the, the intervening five games go, like that could have just fascinating implications. That could be like a preview for a series. That could be Edmonton almost getting to pick whether they want LA or Vancouver. Like That could be a really, really fascinating game. So anyways, I just wanted to point that out. We're not talking about uh, a matchup with a juggernaut in Colorado or Calgary here. We're talking about a matchup with the very talented but very flawed Edmonton Oilers potentially on the table. Well, who knows? Who knows? I mean, maybe Calgary beats
1: Nashville tonight. The Canucks win, sure. and all of a sudden we're like, "Oh, oh hey Nashville! Hey, look! Hey, yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, look at that! That's open. That, that paths. I mean, that's that's what the next two weeks are going to be like. Every day we'll be overreacting to results, and you know we don't usually get to do that on this program. But when you get to the River Card portion of the season, what else is there to do? There's no sustainability checks. There's no, you know, what do the next thirty games look like? There's no. Nah, come on. There too much has to go in there. Six games. There's only a certain number of outs and scenarios that could possibly play out at this point. We'll be overreacting to results as we go, and that's the fun that this team has earned. That these players have earned. They've put us in this position, and they've been guided on the uh, guided on the way there by their head coach Bruce Boudreau, who there you who go, there you go, does not have a guaranteed deal beyond this season. Team option, right? Um, Elliot Friedman, our colleague at, at Sportsnet, has reported that. Uh, There's some type of balloon payment in the event that the Canucks do not opt to stick with Boudreau. And there's been a lot of smoke uh, wondering about his future with the club. Uh, Smoke that I don't think is emanating from nowhere. I don't think that's baseless media speculation. I I wonder what's going on there. Because for me, extending Boudreau, not just keeping him, extending Boudreau should be a no-brainer. And to that front, I am hearing Boudreaux will meet with his agent, uh, the the legendary Gil Scott, at some point this week. My guess would be back in Minnesota when the club briefly heads east. So hearing hearing that there's um, a meeting that's going to take place this week and uh, a sign perhaps that uh, that the sides are beginning to uh, you know figure it out. We'll, uh, we'll see if it means anything, or we'll see if it's just a, a touch base as we sort of get toward the end of a campaign in which Boudreaux has surely earned a Jack Adams nomination, right? I, I think regardless. Really? Of you think whether, so? I I do. I I I mean, how could you say it otherwise? Like, what's the argument against him? It's It's been a phenomenal run. What's uh, the it, argument against him? Yeah, clearly. I, he's he, clearly, he should be a Jack Adams nominee.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd have to go through and look at the other candidates right now, but- Based on where they were and where they are now, it's it's pretty hard to argue against it, at least to be oh. a can a candidate for it. Yeah, I
1: mean, I, I you know, I I'd, I'd imagine Andrew Burnett will uh will get some love. Um Rod Brindamore, Gerard Gallant, you know, sort of sort of would be uh on the short list. You'd think I would Jared think, Bednar. I would think
0: Daryl has Sutter to, Daryl Sutter will Sutter get some loves has as well, to. for so, sure.
1: So there's some strong candidates in yeah. there, right? But I mean, I'd think that Boudreaux has to be in the conversation, particularly because you have the splits, one of the worst teams in hockey in the first 25. And then this six, six, seven, you know, point percentage juggernaut. Um, since, I mean, that's, pretty tough to argue with no matter how much i might say hey there's some unsustainable noise in those results like who cares what his job's to get results <laughs> not to impress me and
0: uh and he's done both i was gonna so, say he's, he's checking both boxes he's got the bonus he's as checking well
1: both bo- yeah that's true that's true and and i wonder if there is a bonus uh, attached to potentially his next deal for that um but but yeah so i hear that uh, i hear the boudreaux's meeting with his agent this week and of course the um you know Fact remains that this team's given themselves a shot, and they've certainly enhanced Boudreaux's negotiating position and his standing around the league as a result of what they've accomplished over the past few months.
0: Well, it's all, and I have no inside information or reporting on this or, or, or anything, right? I do agree with you that this is not something that we in the media just created out of thin air, right? The reason this became a talking point was, you know, answers that were... It's either said or didn't say certain things from the relevant parties. And and when that happens in a market like Vancouver, you're going to read into it and you're going to try to figure out what's going on. I do think from my perspective that the fact that the Canucks didn't go quietly after that disappointing homestand, right, that they've rallied and made it real and had these big wins again for yet another time under Bruce Boudreau. That seems to me that it's probably increased the likelihood that he's the coach for next year. And I've always believed the most likely scenario, not a guarantee, but the most likely scenario, is that he would be the coach for next season. It just comes down to, for me, like, I understand maybe, you know, maybe Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford have this vision of an ideal NHL coach for their team, and it doesn't quite match Bruce Boudreaux. Like, that's a possibility but what's the worst case scenario if you bring him back? Really, like what's the worst case scenario if you decide to extend Bruce Boudreau? And beyond that, if you did want to make a change, it's going to be such a hard sell. Like you are using a lot of goodwill up in this city with this fan base. If you try to move on from Bruce Boudreau, plus he's a really good coach. He's a fantastic coach. So I think there's just at this point, it seems like there are so many factors pointing towards him returning and this relationship continuing, I would be very, very surprised having said that again, the speculation started happening for a reason. So I don't think it's a guarantee, but I think the more they win here and certainly if they find a way to make it into the playoffs, you're going to be seeing Boudreau behind the bench for the Canucks next year. Again,
1: I, I want to read a text by the way. Um, I love Canucks fans completely writing off the LA Kings. The Kings have outplayed expectations all season. They had their best defense. uh, They didn't have their best defenseman for 39 games and are still firmly in a playoff position. They're also still playing well. Like I know, I know that their uh, run of, you know, goaltending, has perhaps made it look like they're stumbling. I think I even referred to them as the stumbling LA Kings in my uh, in my column this morning. Um, nine points in their last ten games. Right, that's not ideal. That's not ideal. But that's with eight sixty goaltending. Eight sixty goaltending. They've had the worst goaltending in hockey, five on five. Over the course of the past 10 games, and they've still got nine points out of it, right? That's what I'm talking about sometimes, where I'm talking about being luck-proof, right? The Kings are controlling play well enough, just well enough, at 53% control of expected goals, that even though their goaltending has completely shot them in the foot, and not just like once, like Gatling gun aimed at the foot, do like full chains of bullets into their foot. Even though that's occurred. They've managed to stay alive because they're controlling play just well enough. That's the sort of solidity that this Vancouver Canucks team needs to graft onto their game. They played with it against Dallas last night. If they can play with something like that, approximating it over the last six, it'll help them luck proof themselves down the stretch here. But the Kings are actually still playing well. It's just that their goaltendings hit this brutal rut and Unlike with Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith, remember when the Oilers went through this, mm-hmm. and everyone was like, "Oh, they're gonna fall out, they're gonna fall out." And you know me, Jamie, I never bought that. I said they'd be fine, they'll be fine, even though I had zero faith in either of those goaltenders. Right? They they were getting such brutal save perform uh, save percentage performances that I said, even Miko Koskinen's not gonna stay at eighty percent forever. Like he's still an NHL goalie. Come on, Cal Peterson and John Quick are good enough to hold the fort. Maybe not good enough to steal them games, but good enough to hold the fork. And so long as the Kings are able to control play, they should be insulated. They have a very soft schedule here. And don't forget, say they go 500. Say they just go 500 mm-hmm. between now and their meeting with the Canucks. They'll be at 94 points. Well, in order to meet, make those games that the Canucks will fit, play against the Kings matter then, the Canucks are still going to need... Three wins, three wins in their four games before that. Maybe, maybe at least five points, right? You got to still be at ninety-one points to make that game relevant for, from Vancouver's perspective. Well, Ninety-two, if for the well, win, I see, can I right? Because Oilers you can, you can still win game. the Edmonton game. That's right. That's right. Right. So, but but you know, you're still going to need you're still going to need more wins than them on the run into that game in order to even make that game relevant. So. Yeah, the, the Kings are Vancouver's likeliest path here at this point. I think we all agree. But that's still not a likely path, which is why Dom LeCision's model still has the go. Canucks at only 14% playoff odds. Oh, by the way, I'm um, glad you—hold on, I'm glad you, on, I'm glad you brought up. There's still a long-shot bid.
0: Because we—I uh, used the analogy on the show yesterday of, like, a team going into the bottom of the ninth down three or four or something, and we had a very— uh, oh, yeah, yeah, A very astute— I said five. Yeah. A very astute Twitter listener, uh, and of course, you were this right. Is, this is what I love about baseball: is that you can like get a, an absolutely precise number for something like this. So, shout out to Trev on Twitter who uh, hit us up and said, if, pointed us to a tool using uh, retro sheet data from you know a hundred years or whatever you want in, in MLB, and the closest percentage would be. Uh, if you're down two going into the bottom of the ninth inning. Now, and I was playing around this with this a little bit. So what was it? It was 7% roughly their chances were to make the playoffs yesterday yeah. before the win. So now yeah. it's, what, what did you say, 14%?
1: 14%.
0: Okay. So if you are down two in the bottom of the ninth and you get your first runner on base, walk, single, whatever, your chances of winning the game go up to about 16%. So basically the Canucks so that's where they're at. The Canucks hit a, a leadoff single or a, a trick a leadoff walk last night. And hey, sixteen percent or you know, runner on first, you're down two. Like everyone's standing in the ballpark, people are cheering, people are going nuts Hats because you are know inside out turned yeah.
1: upside down exactly because you know go.
0: you you know you are in with a real shot. So I wanted to I wanted to follow that up and maybe I'll try to keep you know engineering game states in baseball to match whatever whatever the Canucks playoff odds are through the final six games here. But shout out to Trev on Twitter for pointing me towards that tool and. It is. I'm, I'm here for that bit, by the way.
1: It might be enough to convince John Garrett to join John Shorthouse and become a regular listener.
0: <laughs> I do live for uh, for John Garrett's for Cheech's Blue Jays fandom because I'm oh, also yeah. a massive Blue Jays fan, and I'm I'm always Likewise. tickled when he gets a chance to talk about it on the broadcast. But to to back, I just wanted to get that nugget in because I was very delighted when Trev pointed me towards that tool. Um, the the schedule is the ultimate kind of. Trump card for LA right now. Like if you flip schedules for the two teams, it would be a much more optimistic, a much more optimistic scenario for the Vancouver Canucks. Those games against Minnesota and the game against Calgary, or sorry, I should say the games against Minnesota and Calgary one each, they loom so, so large. You can't, can't take your foot off the gas tonight against Ottawa, but you know, you have those two huge games against very talented teams coming up. Uh, this text comes in, uh, are the Predators, do they have a chance to catch the Predators because they have a very tough schedule to finish the season? You mentioned it, absolutely. Nashville's got a brutal schedule to finish their uh, their season. You're still five points back. You don't have the game in hand. Nashville's way up on the tiebreaker, so it's still a long shot. Nashville, like, the wheels would really have to come off for Nashville. I understand why fans are looking at it because of the schedule, but for me it's still, at this point, L.A. is number one with a bullet in terms of teams you're trying but- to catch. But
1: it's all a long shot, right? I mean, LA is number one with a bullet, but it's still a long shot. So I don't see why uh, you wouldn't, you know, take your eyes off the Predators and exclusively like the LA route is the most likely. But I don't think you take your eyes off the Predators because no matter what you're in, you're in, you know, okay, okay. We've got a runner on first. Like, let's just not strike out here. I'm not worried about Wade Davis on the mound. Like, let's go. You're still in that territory anyway. Just keep the line moving.
0: Keep the line moving and and see what happens.
1: And. And just enjoy it. A uh, good text from uh, from Freddie in New West. Uh, if Bruce Boudreaux's not back next season and the Canucks have a bad stretch, the crowd will chant, "Bruce, Bruce, where is he?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> and oh boy, that, like that's oh a, boy. that's a that's a really good joke and wordplay from Freddie. But that's also kind of explains the logic of it. And not that you what your moves as general manager or president of hockey operations are dictated by how fans will react, but If you know, like, it's just such a risk. It it just seems like such an unnecessary risk from a general manager's perspective, right? And Tyler uh, texted in, if you let Bruce go, then you don't have the eventual excuse of, hey, this wasn't my coach, and you're kind of putting an unnecessary clock on the general manager. And I I just, or on yourself as GM, there's just so many little reasons like that that kind of move the needle towards Bruce Boudreaux staying. And yeah, the fans, it would be very, very, very hard to sell that's not the only consideration, but it is a consideration ultimately.
1: Uh, 100%. Last one. Uh, what good is Dom Lecision's model when it changes after every win or loss? Useless texts in Tony and Poco. Tony, are you not familiar with live game odds <laughs> or, or how the bookies approach live game probabilities? That's what odds do. They change as information comes in. That It's a snapshot. That's, that's the point. And, of course, Dom's model changes tends to outperform the Vegas books. It had a little bit of a dip in the middle of this season, but I believe the log loss, it remains the log loss leader, even outperforming the gambling markets, which is why it's the model that I reference most frequently, as opposed to some of the other, uh, you know, very good and very useful models, uh, whether it's 538 or sports club stats or moneypuck.com, all super useful and, and well worth paying attention to. And yet log loss wise, Dom LeCision, my colleague, not just my colleague, his market, his his model is demonstrably in year after year the gold standard in the industry.
0: That is going to do it for us. Another big game for the Canucks to look forward to. You can hear it right here, of course. All day game day coverage. The People Show is coming up next. Yannick Hansen at 2. That's always must listen radio. Plus a very, very special surprise guest at 2.30 that I think Canucks fans are going to want to hear from so make sure you stay tuned for that. It's the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet six. 50.